Hey, how's everybody feeling tonight? Everybody good? Hey, good. All right, so I've been told uh, that you can't hear us very well on our Facebook feed, which thank you, Carolina, for, for you're not the first to say that, all right? And I thought it was a problem back there. It's my fault. I just want to say that right now. I typically preach and the microphone's down here, and you can't hear it up there. So I'm going to try to hold it up the whole time tonight. I might be a little louder. He's probably going to have to ring some stuff out because he's not used to me talking correctly into a microphone. So anyway, hey, I'm super excited. We're starting a four-week series tonight called DNA. Y'all say DNA. DNA. All right. Now, listen, I, I had to do a lot of research on DNA uh, when I was preparing this message uh, because I think I know what it is, but I don't really know what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, all I know is DNA is what makes you, you, right? Like, what makes Stephanie, Stephanie is her DNA. She borrows a little bit from her mom. She borrows a little bit from her dad, and they come together, and they make Stephanie, right? And I'm the same way. I borrow some DNA from my mom and dad, and, and it comes together, and it makes DNA. It makes me, me. And how many of y'all, whenever it was like the early 2000s, right, maybe mid, mid first 10 years, what do they call that again? The aughts of the 10,000s, that's what, or the 2000s, that's what the first 10 years of the 2000s is called. Brain trivia for the day, all right? Uh, but uh, if y'all remember, how many of y'all watched CSI religiously? I know at our house, we taped it on a tape, on a VCR uh, for a long time. And I remember uh, we wouldn't miss an episode. I loved it. Now it's coming back. And now it's called CSI Las Vegas. I'm like... Well, it didn't go away? Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Okay, so anyway, CSI's back. But I remember when CSI came out, man, and it, they were like trying to figure out what happened at this crime scene, and uh, and all of a sudden, they would find the DNA, and it would match the bad guy, and they would go get the bad guy, and all this kind of stuff. My, my wife, Stephanie, she's a big true crime podcast connoisseur, all right? She can listen to the darkest stuff on there that's like real stories. I can't do that. It puts me in a bad spot a lot of times, so. But this is the typical, like, true crime thing, right? Like, Someone gets murdered in the 60s, and they have no idea who did it, and all of a sudden, technology develops, and we can determine people's DNA, starting in the 80s, by the way, and now, all of a sudden, they've saved some evidence from this 20-year-old murder, and all of a sudden, they can match the DNA with someone that's in the system, and they can solve a crime. That happens all the time. That happens all the time. And I actually learned this, that anything that you touch, you can get DNA from. Theoretically, right? Like, uh, we actually have a friend who's a crime scene investigator in Florida. And anything you touch, a doorknob, a seat, your, your hairbrush, right? Like the soap in the shower. I mean, literally anything that you touch right now, your phone, this microphone, right? Like my glasses, it has my DNA all over it. Hairs, skin cells, all kinds of stuff, right? Like anything that you touch, you leave behind a little bit of who you are. And this series is going to focus on who Oasis Church is, right? Like, you should be able to determine what our church is about and who we are based on the things that we do, Thanks, based on the things that we touch in the community. And this is what this sermon series is going to be about. We're going to talk about who we are. What makes Oasis Church Oasis Church? What is our DNA? Who, what, like, what are we made of? If you, if you, you know, zoomed in as far as you could on a little droplet of Oasis Church blood, Man, who, what would you see down there? And hopefully, you would see these four things right here. We've talked about them a bunch over the last couple of weeks. We are outrageously generous. We are full of faith. We're committed to community. Like, we do what we can to be around each other and to be around others. And hopefully, you laugh a little when you're here, right? Like, we're fun to be around. I hope that's the case. I hope that whenever you come here, you're like, 
Man, I, I really enjoyed being there. Like when I leave, I feel encouraged. When I leave, uh, when, when I'm around somebody that's at Oasis Church, I just feel, I feel like I just got a breath of fresh air. That's what we want. And that's the kind of church that we have built. And so tonight, we're gonna start talking about these things a little bit more in depth about what makes us, us. But even more importantly than that, I don't just want Oasis Church, the institution, the actual entity, the church. I don't want us just to be these things. I want you to be these things. When we can have a church that's full of people that are these things, when they're not in this building, we've won. That's an awesome thing, and that's what I want for you. I, like people can say all day long about our church and our, the institution of our church, right? That they're, they're these four things. But I'd rather than look at Thomas and go, man, Thomas, man, he is so full of, he's so full of faith. He's a generous guy. Like that's what I want people to say about you. And these aren't personality traits. These are things that you can decide to be right now. You don't have to wait. It doesn't, you're not born with, the, no, no, these, these, don't, these, these are things that you can be, anybody can be. And so that's what I want to do in this series. I want to teach us who, who are we? Like what, if, if you were to describe our church right now, how would you describe our church? And, I, and Stephanie and I have honestly, just a moment of honesty, we felt like that if we asked some people that, if we asked all of you guys that right now, we'd probably get a lot of really good answers, but we'd probably get a lot of very different answers and a lot of very different uh, takes on who we are. But our goal is that by the end of this series, if someone asks you about Oasis Church, we're all saying the same thing. And it's this right here. Hey, we're the, man, I love our church. They're so generous, right? Our church is so full of faith, man. They believe, prayed for me that we've seen God do some things. That's pretty amazing. Like we're full of, man, they're committed to me. Man, they'll go get coffee with us. Man, the people there are committed to me. They text me throughout the week. Like, I love that. And hey, I really like them. I enjoy being around them, right? Like, I hope that's what people are saying about this church. And so I wanted to teach on these four things. And I love teaching on these four things because I love teaching about why we're here and what we're doing here and what we are and who we are and what we're gonna do and what we are doing and what we have. I love talking about that. Because trust me, we, we love this. And I remember whenever we actually wrote these down for the first time, it was two years ago. And we were, didn't even know when we'd be planting this church. We had no idea what the church was going to be called. But Steph and I, on our way home from this conference, we had like a nine hour drive or something crazy. And so we were driving. I said, all right, let's get some pen and paper out. And so we said, all right. Like, what, is, what are some of our traits that we, we would like to people say about us personally, right? And these are the things we came up with. Like, I hope people say these things about us. And so we're like, well, why not just make a church like that? Because that sounds awesome, right? And so that's why we're here. That's who we are. So we're going to dive into the first one tonight. Y'all say this out loud. We are, what does it say? That was a lot of syllables, but we can do a little better than that. Here we go. We are... That was great. All right, so we're going to talk about that tonight, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, we are going to talk about money tonight. All right, we're going to talk about what generosity looks like. We're going to talk about a little bit about tithing, what that looks like, and we're going to talk about what that means, not for the church, but for you. Like, what does that do for you, right? Because here's what I can tell you right now, we don't want anything from you. Now, I want what, I want what God has for you. 
And God has told us, man, we need to be a part of this thing financially. We need to be a part of this thing with our time and our talents. We need to be a part of this thing with our invites. We need to be a part, like, we need to be generous with our words, but we are going to talk a little bit about money tonight. And here's the deal. I'm just teaching what's in the Bible, all right? So if you get mad about something, get mad at God, all right? Because I'm just teaching what's in the Bible. And what I believe the Bible teaches and what me and Stephanie have seen lived out in our lives of what God talks about generosity and how it plays out and how God, I'm telling you, you want to be a blessed person, be generous. And we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. We're going to talk about a story that all of you have probably heard if you've been in church before. If you didn't grow up in church, I'm going to tell the story. It's an amazing story. I hope you like it. Um, this story is found in a lot of the gospels. And uh, we're going to talk about one of the most generous things that ever happened. Like one of the most generous stories in the Bible. And so if you got your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to Luke chapter nine. All right, we're gonna be in Luke chapter nine. And uh, and I want you to just follow along. We're gonna walk through this story a little bit. And I just wanna give you, catch you up a little bit, a little background. Uh, at this point, Jesus is like the Beatles. Have you ever seen videos of the Beatles when they would leave somewhere and people would mob them or like Michael Jackson would go out and people would mob him? I don't even know who that would be now. Who would that be now? Okay, maybe a Harry Styles. I don't get the whole Harry Styles thing. I need to say that. I don't, I don't understand. I, I, I've heard one of his songs on TikTok, I think. That's about the only thing. But, okay, people, but people would, if he walked in this door right now, you might go, oh my God, Harry Styles is here. That's crazy, right? Like, he, Jesus was like a celebrity. And everyone wanted to be around Jesus. Why? One, because he was a good dude. He was fun, all right? I'm just telling you right now, he was enjoyable to be around. But also, Jesus would do these miracles that they may have even viewed as like magic tricks. Like they would see Jesus do things that didn't make sense, right? Have y'all ever seen the show Fool Us before where the, the, with Penn and Teller? Have y'all ever seen that before? Like it's awesome. And, and people would come and they would watch Jesus do these miracles and these things. And they were beyond magic tricks, right? It wasn't like a car trick, but Jesus would take a man, like we talked about last week, that couldn't walk. And he would say, get up and walk. And that man who had been paralyzed, maybe even since birth, would hop up and he walked home. Like you would see. And so Jesus has got a buzz about him. All right, he probably doesn't have a real buzz, but he has a buzz about him, right? People are talking about him and they're everywhere that he is. It says this in verse 11. It says, but the crowds found out where Jesus was going. Jesus was actually trying to get off by himself. He was actually trying to retreat a little bit. He had just had a really long week. If you read this, he'd had a really long time. He was trying to retreat, but he was like the Beatles. But the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him. So there goes your alone time, right? Like he was trying to get a day off. He ain't getting a day off today. And he welcomed them. And this has nothing to do with the message, but I felt like I just needed to say this. He welcomed them, and he taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. I want to tell, I just really felt like this when I was writing this week, is that there may be even more than one person, but there's definitely one person in here, that you are not bothering God. When you go to God and like you you need something or you just need to pray and get some vent, right? Cast your worries and your cares on him and all the, like when you go to, you're not bothering God. God is welcoming you. Even, Even a tired Jesus all right, we know now Jesus has a new body. God never gets tired, the Bible says. He's never annoyed with you. 
God doesn't need time off from you. He's not an introvert, all right? You don't wear him out. No, no, no. God is welcoming you, and he's ready to teach you something. He's ready to, to do something for you. If you see this, it happens all the time with Jesus. Jesus loves people. He loves their problems. He loves their gifts. He loves their struggle. He loves people. Even so much that even when he's trying to get a little vacation for a day and people find out where he is, he's willing to teach, he's willing to heal, and he's willing to do that for you tonight, right now. He's willing to do that for you. You're not bothering him. You're not upsetting him. He's not going, anytime he sees your name come up in the prayer log in heaven, I promise you, he loves you and he loves people. And so the story goes on, and it says this. It says, when the day began to wear away. All right, that's in the New King James Version. Probably none of y'all are reading that right now, but I needed to put that in there. All right, so when the day began to wear away. So this tells us something, that at the beginning of the day, Jesus was trying to get off on his own, and now the day has begun to wear away, which means these people have been there for out, they've been there all day. And in other versions of the story, it tells us they've been there all day. Now, how many of you have ever been at something for so long that you would describe this day is starting to wear away? You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't, have you ever done yard work for a long time? You've been outside, it's hot, right? Like, you, you, you're doing some hard work, and all the, the day starts to wear away on you, right? Like, the day, I'm like, my goodness, I have to, like, if I stay out here for another five minutes, I'm going to die. I might die. I might starve to death. I might die of dehydration. But like the day is wearing away. The disciples are in this camp. Everybody else is loving being there. Jesus, he's loving being there. Uh, the, the people that were watching Jesus obviously loved that they were there. But the disciples, the day began to wear away. And so what do the disciples do? Now listen, you gotta understand something. The disciples are kind of known for not being very smart. They didn't have any tact about them. They kind of just blurted stuff out a little bit. And so the day begins to wear away. Jesus is teaching, the Bible says 5,000 men, which could have been more like 15 to 20,000 people, are sitting here watching Jesus talk and watching Jesus heal these people. They're enamored. They've been there all day. They couldn't care less. They love it. And the disciples are getting hot and they're getting bothered. And so what do they do? They form a little committee. They get over here and they go, hey, listen, Jesus has been going for hours and somebody's got to stop him, all right? Like, listen, I'll be the guy. I'll go talk to Jesus right now. These people, oh yeah, people. Jesus loves people. You should tell him that the people are hungry. He loves people. He's gonna, of course he's gonna agree to this, right? And so they're over there, they're having this committee and they, they elect somebody, John, right? John, John, you're gonna go over there. Be sure to tell Jesus, hey, this is for the people. They're hungry, right? They, they, they need to go get something to eat. They need to get home so they can sleep. It's getting a little late. Tell them it's for the people, and then he'll probably let them go. He loves people. And John's like, I got it. I'm going to go talk to Jesus right now. Jesus is in the middle. He's healing people. He's teaching people about the kingdom of God in front of 15,000 people. All of a sudden, John comes up. Hey, hold on one second, guys. Hey, Jesus, the people... I think they're getting kind of hungry. Uh, I think that, you know, we might need to send them home a little bit, you know, and, and we don't have enough money to pay for all this food that we, we can't feed them. It's getting to dinner time. It's past some of these kids. Bed. Like we gotta, get, we gotta get this thing wrapped up. Here's what the Bible actually says. It says, late in the afternoon, 
the 12 disciples came to him and said, hey, send the crowds away to nearby villages. Like, hey, send them home. We're out in the middle of nowhere uh, to, by the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There's nothing to eat here in this remote place. Like, hey, there's nothing that we can do for them here. Like, we need to send them away to get some food, right? Like, the people are getting hungry. Well, here's what Jesus says. Don't forget, there's 15, 20,000 people at this thing. Jesus looks at him and says, you feed them. What'd you say, Jesus? He said, you feed them. And so John now has to go back and report to the disciples, right? Like, okay, I said, uh, I told him everything you told me to say. I told him the people really needed to go. Okay, and what did he say? He said, you feed them. And they all looked at him confused, like, what is he, is he crazy? Like, we can't feed all these people. We, we don't have hardly anything to eat. But what you have to understand is this, is that Jesus didn't, the Bible is translated from an original language, right? In this case, it's Hebrew. And all of a sudden, when it's, when it's trans, I'm sorry, Greek, when it's translated from Greek into English, we lose a little bit, a little bit of its meaning. But the way Jesus phrased this, he didn't say, you feed them. He was saying, hey, take what you already have and feed them. That's what he was saying. He said, take what you have and feed them. That's what the you means right there. I know it's confusing, but that's what the original language is. He said, take what you already have and he feeds them, or, and, and, and then feed them. And so they're looking at each other like, well, what do we have? And here's what their response is. They said, and Jesus said, you feed them. And then they responded, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Like, that's, that wouldn't be enough for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish? Or are, and then they were like, but are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? Like, are you really expecting us to do this, Jesus? And here's what I want us to get tonight first is God is not gonna ask you to give something generously if you don't already have it. Jesus is asking you to recognize that what you already have isn't even yours to begin with. It's actually God's. And God's not gonna ask you to go into debt to be generous. God's not gonna ask you to go get something that you don't already have to be generous. No, no, no. He's asking you like, hey, give what you already have. We see this in the story where the widow is giving her offering at the temple. And the Bible says she gave all that she had. And it was two mites. It was worth like a half a penny in today's, in today's currency. But she gave what she had. I think God is maybe looking for us to just look at what we have and see how can I be generous with what God's already given me. Like, these guys didn't see it. The disciples didn't see it. This little boy, we know in another gospel, this little boy actually had this, and they probably, like, mugged him and took this little lunch from him, right? And all of a sudden, they have this. And they're thinking, there's no way that God can use this to do anything for anyone else. It's not even enough for me. But we're going to continue reading, and we're going to continue to see what God, uh, what, what, what God is going to do when, when we're generous, what, what, we, what God wants to do whenever we give something away that he's already given us. You know, that's been a, y'all don't get to hear everything that our church is a part of and that our church does for people. I don't like to, like, parade that around the people because, one, it's, I think it's sensitive to the people receiving our generosity. But our church 
man, we're not rolling in the dough. I mean, it's not like I can stroke a million dollar check and bless a ministry or do anything like that. That's not, that's not how we roll right now. Unless God has given you a million dollars and you'd like to be generous tonight, we'll take it in Jesus' name. All right. So, but I'm just telling you, we, our church, we can't be generous in an amount of money. Like, that's why I love having church planners come here. Anytime a church planner comes here, we bless them with a gift. And it might be 500 bucks, it might be 1,000 bucks. I wish it could be $5,000 and $10,000. One day, we'll be able to do that, and I cannot wait. I would love to buy every single mom a car. I would love to do these things. But we, we, we're not responsible for, for meeting that big need. We're responsible for, for stewarding what we already have. Like whenever, I'm glad that's what we can do. And I hand those checks over to these, these church planners because I know how hard it is with pride and go, hey, we can't do much, but we can do this. Man, here's $500. That, I don't know what that can do, what they need, but man, that's, a, that's what we can do. That's what we've been given. That's what we have. And so we're gonna give based on what we have. But there's several more stories that you don't even know about that we don't talk about. There's several other stories about how we have helped hurting families buy groceries. We've helped hurting families whose houses have been destroyed by tornadoes. We helped them out. Uh, there's some other people. We've helped struggling moms. We've helped provide counseling for people in need. Uh, we've sent countless DoorDash gift cards during COVID. If you've had COVID in this church and we've known about it, you've probably gotten a DoorDash gift card from us. If you've been out here for giving meal, we run out of meals and a car pulls in the parking lot and they were too late and they just couldn't get off work and get here in time. Guess what? They get like a $50 DoorDash gift card to have dinner on us. Because why? That's what we have and that's what we're gonna give, right? Like we've given out thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of food in our community. Uh, we've let a ton of other churches use our camera equipment that we don't use anymore. And we've let other churches use our stuff to borrow our trailer, to use this one thing. And we've given away stuff that we don't need anymore. Why? Because we're outrageously generous. Just because we don't parade it around. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but man, we don't do that a lot because sometimes I don't want the people that we're blessing to feel uncomfortable. But you have been a part of so many generous things here. And I want you to know that. And do I want to do more? Heck yeah, I do. Man, I wish we could 10X the amount of generosity that we do. I wish we could give everything away. Like I wish we could literally just empty the bank account and go, let's bless everybody, right? That would not be good stewardship, all right? Because when we give away what we don't have, that's called bad stewardship. But when we give away what God's given us, that's called generosity. And whenever we bless others with the blessings that God's given us, that is what God calls generosity. And that's what God has called us to do as a church. That's how he's called you as a Christ follower. It's we should be the mark of generosity for other people. Man, you find a need. You don't have to ask anyone's permission. Go meet it. Be generous. Help that person move. Man, pay for the person behind you at Starbucks, right? Like, do something generous. Give something away because that's where God's blessings live. That's where they live. We're gonna continue on in the story. It says this. For there were about 5,000 men there. Again, there's probably closer to 15,000 people, 15 to 20,000 people there. And Jesus replied, okay, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Now, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up toward heaven, and he, what's this say right here? Blessed. He blessed them. Then breaking, it, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. 
They all ate, this is amazing, they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. None of them had faith at the beginning of the story. They said, all we have is this. God, you can, we can't possibly, all we have is this. And it ends with them having a basket each of leftovers. And Jesus going, told you, brother. Like, you just got to trust me, right? But I don't want us to miss how this worked out. I don't want us to, to miss how this happened. I love this. I love the way it's said. It says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up toward heaven, and he blessed them. Did I move something? There we go. There we go. And he blessed them. He blessed the offering that was given. I want to give you two principles tonight. Two things I want you to remember. First thing is this, is that God does the blessing. God is the one who blesses. God is the one who blesses your finances. God is the one that blesses your life. God is the blesser. He is the one that you have to put it in his hands if you want it to be blessed. Here's what I know, is our math is not like God's math. Our math would say five loaves plus two fish equals seven items, right? Right, right, the five plus two equals seven. God's math says five loaves plus two fish in my hand that's blessed can feed 15 to 20,000 people. Like God is the one that does the blessing. I think a lot of us, we work so hard to muster up this, this financial blessing or man, if we could just invest in the right thing, if I could just work more, if I could just do more, if I could just get that raise, if I could just climb up the ladder a little bit and you're trying to, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you're trying to bless your finances on your own. And God is like, no, 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 no. I am the blesser. Like I'm the one that does the blessing. Like that load is off of your shoulders. Thank God, because if, I, if you brought me five bread, five pieces of bread and two fish and had to feed 20,000 people, I'd be like, I, I don't know what you tell, I don't know what you asked me to do. There's no way I can do this. But you put it in the right hands and it can happen. God's math is not like your math. God's math multiplies exponentially. Like I'm telling you, when you put something in God's hands and he blesses it, it changes everything. So God, he's the blesser, but it has to be given before it can be blessed. Notice that, what did the disciples have to do? They had to take the bread and they had to give it to Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, okay? They gave it to the blesser. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then he broke the loaves into pieces and he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so that they could distribute uh, it to the people. So here's how it worked. The disciples brought what they had to Jesus. Jesus blessed it. Jesus gives it back to them as a blessed thing. And it multiplies. They, they break it apart and they keep giving it. They break it apart and they don't know how to describe it. It's not, we don't know how this actually happened, but they kept breaking it and it, it was kept being enough. They kept breaking it. It kept being enough. Why? Because it was blessed. And it never would have been blessed had it not been given. Like God is waiting on you to give what you have to him so that it can be blessed. And he's going to use you to be a part of the miracle. He's going to use the very thing that you gave, the very thing that you have to be the blessing to someone else. But if we hold on to our stuff and go, nah, God, I just, man, a tie, that's 10%. 
Like, oh, that's a lot. Like, guess what? God can do more with your 10 than you can do with your 100. And I'm not just saying, I'm telling you that. I know this because Steph and I have been in a place where it didn't financially make sense for us to tithe. And I just want to tell you, we've never been without, ever. God's always provided. Like, there are times where when, when we were living uh, years ago uh, where I, I didn't know where our next meal was going to come from. We had no money, but we were committed to tithing. And every time, God would show up in a weird way. Why? Because we, our finances were blessed. We weren't rich, and we still ain't rich. I'm not telling you that you're going to tithe and get rich. No, you're going to tithe, and you're going to be blessed, because that's what the Bible teaches. And here's the deal, and God will do it in a way that will blow your mind. None of the disciples saw this coming this way. But at least they did the right thing, and they got it in the right hands. And I just want to tell you, man, whenever you give stuff away is when God can bless it. Whenever you, whenever you bless others with your blessings, man, that's where you're living a generous life. And so who are we? We are outrageously generous. And what does that mean? It means that we bless others with our blessings. That's just what we do. God blesses us and we bless others. We're generous with what we have. We believe that if God tells us to do something, we are gonna say yes and go, God, I trust you. I trust that this is you. I trust that you're in this. I trust that your word is true. It says you're never gonna let us down. You're always gonna be with us, God. I I believe that you're the provider. I believe that. And so I'm putting my money where my mouth is and I'm gonna trust you. And let me tell you, it's scary. It's really scary. But I'm telling you, when you get what, what God's given you and you give it to God and it becomes blessed, God can do more than you could ever ask or imagine. I remember, I'm about to tell you a bunch of stories. And some of these stories are about us. Uh, really, every story has a little bit of us in there. And I don't want to, I'm not sharing these stories to brag I'm, because I'm telling you, uh, I, I am not an impressive person. But this is something that Steph and I have been committed to doing, is being generous with what we have. And when God moves us to do something, we just say yes. And life is way better that way. Let me just tell you right now. And this is something I learned from my dad. My dad's a very generous person. And we didn't have a ton growing up, you know, but he was always generous, always willing to be, to give you the shirt off his back. And I guess a lot of that rubbed off on me. I, this is not something I struggle with. I, now, I struggle with a lot of things, but I love the stories of generosity. But whenever you have a family and God's asking you to be generous with something and it's you know it's God because me and Stephanie have said a number before at the same time that it's like we feel like God's asking to do something. Now, sorry, on the count of three, you say the number. One, two, three. We say the same number. I'm like, okay, that must be God, right? And this happened to us. Uh, before we even knew what this church would be called, but we were at the art conference and God had completely changed our lives and they do an offering there that churches can bring an offering and pastors bring a personal offering there and you give it to Ark and it goes straight to church planners. And we felt God moving in our hearts. And we looked at each other. I said, I think we need to make a donation, but I'm afraid to tell you how much I feel like God's telling me. She goes, well, on the count of three, let's just say the number that we're both thinking. One, two, three. Boom, say the number. I don't even remember what the number was. It was like $500,000, something like that. That was a lot of money for us. I mean, just whatever it was, it was a lot of money. And I remember we gave it joyfully. Next Sunday at church, 
I'm not making this up. A guy walks up to me, says, I don't know why God told me to give you this amount of money right now. Guess what? Exact amount that we had given the week before. He had no clue. I mean, we weren't telling anybody this. That's how God works sometimes. Sometimes it's done in a miraculous check that you just didn't expect, right? And God does something to you. I know for us, man, there's been several times we've been out to eat, which we don't do a whole lot of. But when we go out to eat and sometimes there's just something about a waitress, the Holy Spirit will just speak to one of us and say, I think we need to bless this waitress. Let's give her a $100 tip. And let me just, a triple digit number in our family is a high number. I'm going to tell you, that's not... That's um, like we, it's not like we have a, a bunch of those sitting around. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes God just says, do it. And we do it. And who, and I'm telling you, God provides every time. It might not be a guy coming up to us at church randomly going, Hey, uh, God told me to give you a hundred dollars. Just, I don't know why. It doesn't happen every time, but sometimes it does. I know for us, um, we, we've kind of uh, gotten into this habit of giving away cars. We've given away five cars. Our family has to people that need them. And you know what God's done every time? Giving us another car. And these cars keep getting better. So I think I'm gonna keep giving away cars. I might end up with a Tesla or something. You're right, I'm just joking, don't do that. But, I, but seriously, like we've been, God just told us, hey, I want you to give them your car. Have you ever done, I mean, that's scary. The first time it's really scary. And the next thing we know, uh, this happened to us one time. We, we at this point, given away a couple cars, and we had just gotten out of debt and we've been working really hard. We've been faithful in our tithes and our offerings and we've been faithful, faithful, faithful. And I was driving the loudest car known to man. I'm just, if I was driving in Florida right now, you'd be able to hear us, right? Like I was driving this car. I was thankful for this car, but man, this car is a piece of junk. Like I'm talking so loud, didn't have AC, no tinted windows, South Florida, the small of my back when it would hit the leather seats uh, when I get in there in the middle of the day, and my God, I think I have third degree burns back there. I mean, it was just, it was a terrible car. And I remember driving down to one of our campuses at the church we worked at the time. And all I said was, God, I don't, I, you know that I just, I needed a car. Like, you know, I need a car. I, 15 minutes later, I pull in the parking lot. I walk through the doors. The first person I see who I don't talk to very much, I, I barely even knew the guy's name, came up to me and he goes, do you need a car? And I just started crying. Like it was insane. I just started crying. And I said, how did you know that? And he said, a person emailed me, told me that you might need a car a few weeks ago and I just haven't seen you. It was right after I just got done praying. God, do you know I need a car? And before we moved, I'm just telling you all this just to prove that God's faithful. Uh, I remember before we moved here from Florida, we hadn't told anybody that we were moving yet. It was our Christmas Eve services. And the car I was driving had been given to us by a ministry and I needed to return that car back to the ministry because I wasn't allowed to take it, like move with it. I had to give it back to them. And so uh, we knew we were gonna be moving down to Tennessee with one car. Was, uh, that was it. And uh, knew we had to be meeting with people, which COVID ruined all this, you know, but we were gonna be doing a bunch of stuff and, and I, we weren't even phased. Like, okay, God, you've given us four cars by now. Like, I think you can handle this, right? Christmas Eve service rolls around. Not a soul knows that we're moving except for a few people. God walks up to me and says, hey, while you were singing today, I felt like Holy Spirit told me that you need a car and I want to give you a car. I said, okay, wow. Wow, it's crazy. 
And I said, do you know what Steph and I are about to do? And he said, no. And I got to tell him our journey about how we're going to go plant a church and how I had to give a car back. And he told me about one car he wanted to give me. On the way home, he calls me back and goes, actually, I have a newer car with less mileage on it. Would you rather have that one? It's got four doors. Uh, it's a little bit newer. I'm like, uh, God, thank you, right? Like, this is crazy. Like God wants, I believe this with all my heart, God wants to bless you. Like God, this story is not unique to us. And here's the deal. Y'all all know us. We're not, I'm not saying you're gonna get rich, but I, I do want you to understand that when you're generous, you will be blessed. But it starts with you giving the first time. Like, like if the disciples wouldn't have first given what they had to Jesus, Jesus would have never blessed it, and these people would have gone home hungry. But because the disciples said, okay, I'm going to give God what he's already given me. I'm going to give God what I have right now. He's able to bless it, and he's able to multiply it. I believe God wants to do that in your life. I believe God wants to do that in this church's life. I believe that that's what generosity looks like, is go, God, I, I recognize that what I have is not mine anyway. It's yours. So if you ask me to give it, the answer is yes. No matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how much of an inconvenience it might seem to me, but if you ask me to give it, the answer is yes. And when you live that kind of life, I believe that God blesses that. And I believe that God, I, I'm telling you, he will honor that. And it might not be by finances. It might, he might not you know, make you rich. He might not give you cars. He might not do these things. But he might, man, your marriage might be better than you could ever imagine. Man, maybe your kid will finally see some of your generosity, the one you've been praying for that's run away from God. And maybe the blessing comes in the form of them making their, their lives right with Jesus and coming to know Jesus, right? Like the blessing can come in a lot of different ways. But if we hold on to what we have, we'll never experience the blessing that God wants to give. I'm telling you, man, I, like, I believe that with my whole heart. And I was, even as I was writing, I felt convicted that we've kind of lost it a little bit in our personal lives. Like, man, we need to get back to blessing some people and being more generous and riding that crazy roller coaster where we don't know what's going to happen next, right? Like, I, I miss that. And I felt a little convicted even. Just, man, I've, I've been a little less generous. But I believe God's speaking to some of you even right now. And God's telling you, like, man, that sounds weird. I don't know if I believe that. Well, put your money, or, like, test them. Like, God tells you to test them. The only time in the whole Bible that God challenges you to test them is in your area of your finances. Malachi 3.10, which I had it on here, but I don't, because I've just thought about it in my brain, okay? But he says this. He says, hey, bring your, your tithes to the storehouses, right? And back then, the church... They, they, would, they would run the storehouses. And when people needed food, they could come to the storehouse and get food. And so people would bring a tithe in cattle or in produce or even some financial stuff, and they would bring them to the storehouse, and they would bring a tithe. A tithe means tenth. And he says, do this and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and bless you. That's what it says. And he says, test me in this. So test them. Let me, I'm just telling you right now. And don't give it here. If, if finances is the thing you need to be generous with, give it to another church. Like, it's not about us getting something from you. I really want God's blessing for you. I really do. Like, trust me, give it to someone else and see what God does in your life. I promise it will change everything about your life. There's a book that I got a lot of this information from, a lot of this teaching from, and it's a book called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. 
It's an, if you have not read this book and you want to read this book, I will buy it for you. I'm, I'm not joking. I will buy you this book because it is, it is that life-changing. Because some of us need to put this into practice a little bit. I mean, what would the person at the gym, right? A lot of us go work out together. We've become friends with a lot of people at the gym. Man, how much could you just brighten their day with a gift of generosity to them? Like, listen to people. They'll tell you what they need. And you might be put in their path because you have what they need and you have an opportunity to meet that need with some generosity. Like, what will your coworkers think if at Christmas time you say, hey, you know what? We're gonna cut what we're gonna spend on Christmas in half and we're gonna give the other half of this family that might need it. Man, this waitress seems to be working hard. Ain't nobody working in a restaurant right now anyway. They're struggling. They're stressed. She's working two other jobs. She's a single mom. Man, I... Let's, let's tip her 50 bucks, 20 bucks. Let's just like, do something and see what God begins to do in you and what God begins to do through you. Because I'm telling you when, you, when you give out of generosity, God blesses it. And at this church, that's who we are. We're outrageously generous. We're gonna bless others with our blessings. And let me tell you, sometimes it's hard to see blessings. But you start looking for them and you start giving them away and God will change your life. I promise you. And God, test them. He tells you to test them. So why don't this week, find one area where you can be generous. Just for one, one thing. Like this week, I will be generous one time. And pray about it. Go, God, what, what will you have me do? Every morning, just say, God, I'm looking for an opportunity to be generous today. God, would you please show me where I can be generous? And when he shows you, do it. Don't think about it. Don't go, if you have a spouse, run it by your spouse. Obviously do all that. But hey, be generous and see what God begins to do. I'm telling you, God will open up his floodgates of blessings in your life. That's what he said he would do. And so let's pray together. God, we love you. I pray right now that as we begin to even share about this, that you would begin to put in our hearts how we can be generous, how we can be people that bless others with the blessings that you've given us. God, how we can be people that are marked by generosity, that when they think about us, they think about, man, these people are so generous. They're generous with their things. They're generous with their words. They're generous with their encouragement. And they're just generous people. God, I pray that we can be those types of people, not so that people will talk about us, but because it reflects who you are. You're a generous God. You gave your only son. You gave everything that you had for us. And what did you get in return? You got all of our sin and our shame and all of our bad stuff. That's the only thing you got in return. And so God, I thank you for your generosity. And I pray that that helps us be generous. God, I pray right now that you're putting things on people's hearts where they can be generous, God, where you're putting them on hearts. You're putting maybe even amounts of money where they can bless uh, some, some neighbors and some family members, God. I pray that you give us boldness to walk through in that, God. I pray for the, the people that feel like they have something that they can even give away, God, that you would begin to give them boldness and courage to, to follow through with that, God. I pray right now that, that you would begin to bless our people as they become more generous and more generous, not just with the church, but God, with the people that they interact with every day so that they can make a difference and they can make an impact, God. We love you so much. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you can do more through my little bit of money or my little bit of stuff or my little, my little bitty words, God. You can do more with that than I can do with the whole thing. And so God, I thank you for that type of math that you do and how it exponentially increases over time. God, we love you. I thank you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.